On today's show, our special guests are Chefs Tom Black and Bill Morris of Gourmando. We have news about Linda Dershang, Josh Henderson, and more. And as always, we've got you covered on events and goings-on. Stay tuned. It's all coming up next on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... B&E Meats and Seafood, your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in Des Moines, Berrien, Newcastle, and the top of Queen Anne Hill. Unique products, great meats, the freshest seafood, and a knowledgeable, friendly staff make shopping at B&E Meats and Seafood the best choice. Uh, this is Casper Dernier. I'm the owner of Casper Special Event and Catering, and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the August 2018 Seattle Dining Show, number 1808. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I mean that in the youngest way possible. And I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. And she means that in the younger way possible. The younger. The youngest. The youngest of two. I'm sure the absolutely youngest way possible. (laughs) And you know what they say about the youngest kid? They're the best. That's the one that always has a sense of humor. (gasps) That's you and me both. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's why this is such a fun show for people to listen to. I think so. I'm just it makes me curious about my brothers cuz they're both pretty funny too and they would like to If you didn't make people get, think they were younger but If you got to the end of the show and you didn't get all the jokes, listen to it again. <laughs> because you have all the time in the world. Nothing else to do. <laughs> So I was thinking cuz I woke up and it was so nice this morning. I mean it was the coldest it's been in Several weeks, and it was still 60. Oh, yeah, it was like 67. Yeah, in the, at 7 in the morning or 6 in the morning. <laughs> but it did make me think about um, what constitutes a, the best summer vacation, what kind of food and beverage go along with that. What do you think about you know, when you think over your lifetime? And, of course, that changes. I was thinking about this, and I thought, boy, to me, summer means road trips. I love a good road trip. And I think about lakes, driving around, seeing mountains and lakes, makes me think of uh, sandwiches with fresh lettuce and tomatoes on them. And I have to admit, when I, when I look back at my life, I think, yeah, clams, fried clams and popcorn shrimp. Mm. Anymore, now that, now that I've got a different partner in life, being you, as opposed to just myself, um, I don't think that way so much anymore. I'm thinking fruit, watermelon dishes, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and revisits to restaurants. I was thinking about that. You know, as a family, we used, when I was little, we used to drive back to California a lot because that's where we're from. And uh, going to places we'd hit on other trips that we just thought were great. That's a summer thing to me, hitting those old favorites. Well, I'm thinking about <clears throat> um, something we're missing in Seattle. Hmm. You know, we got Chinatown, um, an international district, if you will. Or an international district. But, uh, you know, we're going to have to go down to North Beach, San Francisco, and get some gazpacho. Yes, but we had some decent gazpacho at Paragon the other night. You said the stuff at Barn and Field was pretty good? Yeah, the gazpacho at Barn and Field. I had that the other day. That was pretty good. It was a cucumber coconut gazpacho. Mm. 
And, you know, we haven't been back to Dimitri's since the weather's gotten hot, but we've always really liked their gazpacho mm-hmm. in Edmonds. I guess the best gazpacho is at my house in Broadview, huh? Yeah, well, you it's won't always say that. But uh, you haven't made it for quite a while, but for a while you were really on to ga- making gazpacho. I'm going to try were, some different kind, though. Yeah, you were trying different recipes and stuff. I'm going to try peach gazpacho. Yeah. The place that we like to go in, um, uh, all I can say is Mac- McMenamin's, Minville. McMinnville. McMinnville. Oh, They the had little, a uh, red gazpacho and the white gazpacho, and it had like green grapes in it. And mm-hmm. the last time I was there, I was like, that's it. I'm getting it this time. And they were out. So yeah. I didn't get to try it again. Hmm. And I think, don't they kind of have gazpacho all year long? They probably do. I think somebody they should. But they probably don't have the white all year long. I don't know. I don't mind having a cold gazpacho in December. I think a cold, it's, you know, I'll eat a hot soup in summer. I don't see why you can't eat a cold soup. If, if it's too cold for you, just follow it with a hot toddy. Yeah. You know, one year I had some friends over, and you know who you are, Patty and David. Um, and I made a cold avocado soup, mm-hmm. and they were very. That's always good. They were pleasant at the time, and then for my birthday they gave me the silver palette cookbook, and they wrote a little poem. I think this was David wrote a little poem in there, and it, and and the last line was begging me not to ever give them a cold avocado soup again. Uh oh. So, Uh-oh. but I thought it was pretty good at the you time. Could do a nice little avocado soup with some bay shrimp in it. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Hmm. See, or just gazpacho with avocado and bay shrimp. Yeah. We're, we're developing our menu. By right the now. end of the show, we will have the entire menu for yeah. our next restaurant. <laughs> for our first restaurant. For our first restaurant that will never, ever take place. So speaking of all these restaurants and all this food, mm-hmm. uh, I guess we should talk about where we've been eating. Or Oh, no, mm-hmm. no, no. you got to tell me now. Where do you want to go for your summer vacation? Oh, I, I already said it. I really am into road trips. I like that. Oh, you just want to take a road trip anywhere? Yeah. Well, the, what I'm saying is over my lifetime, those have been the fun Summer trips, I remember. Oh, I see. You know. Well, um, I remember getting a bison dog in uh, Yellowstone one day. See? That was good. You yeah. can't go there and get it in in the winter. Yeah. And right now, you can't really go there anyway because it's too smoky. Really? Yosemite? What did you just say? Yellowstone. Oh, Yellowstone. Sorry. It's Yosemite that's under the cloud of smoke right now. I'll call, I'll call Smokey the Bear and ask him where all the smoke is. And, and where the best bison dog is. He'd know. You know, and Smokey the Bear is really into barbecue, and he smokes a lot of meats now. <laughs> it's actually Boo Boo, by the way, who would know where, where the bison <laughs> that's yogi, dogs are. That's Yogi and Boo Boo. <laughs> oh, yeah, yogi that's bear. Right, not Smokey. <laughs> Still, I think you could check in with Boo Boo about that. Um, the other thing that I think about on summer vacations are like recently, just a couple weekends ago, I was up in Winthrop at a friend's house. And in the morning, if you get up early, and, and I was kind of the earliest riser, you can just go out and sit on the porch, and it's silent. You know, when you live in the city, and I, and I love living in the city, and I don't think about it most of the time, but you get out there, there's rarely a plane. There, at that time in the morning, there are very few cars. Didn't have any problems with bees? Uh, you know, there were some bees around, but they didn't bother us at all. And, and I don't get the kind of bee activity up in Metal Valley like I used mm-mm. to. Yeah, it wasn't bad. But there were like... Just in the first, like, ten minutes I sat there, there were probably five different kinds of birds. Mm. And then there was a little hummer that went by. Those guys are so loud with their wings flapping so fast. Did so. you smell anybody smoking their bacon? No. Mm. But then again, we weren't too near town or anything. So, 
So that's my story. Where would you want to go on a summer vacation? You don't have a, a limitations on on time. Well, I'm done taking them all, I think, aren't I? I like to go to the gorge. Yeah. Get the huckleberry shakes up at Trout Lake. Oh, Yum. yeah. You know, I've never had one of those. Oh, they're good. Yeah. And then you want to take a nap so you can't, like, leave. Yeah. And sometimes you try to leave without me, so. <laughs> that did happen one day, didn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> I was on the back of your motorcycle, and everybody was like, okay, let's head out. And I started to get on, and I didn't have my, uh, I just didn't push hard enough with one foot. And I thought, I'm not going to make it. So I went back onto the ground, and, and you left. And there yeah, was like three I, well, of us I noticed that you. nobody in our group was behind us, and I didn't know why, so I went back <laughs> to find out what happened, and boy, did I get told what happened. And not even by me. It was like, that was so funny. You left her right back there. <laughs> okay, oh. now we're going to talk about where we've been eating? Yeah, you know, I've been kind of gone, so I haven't had a lot of outdoor uh, outside eating, but I went to Ocean Star, which is a Chinese place in the ID. It used to be Sunya years, several years ago, and it was Sunya for years. And um, we went for dim sum. And, you know, I, I have to say it's sort of typical of dim sum places. There are certain things that they bring around that are so incredibly good, and then the rest of them are just sort of average. And that's – I don't know why that is. You uh, think it's you getting a, to be that way more for you all the time because your taste buds are changing because you eat better. You say that, but – yeah. It's dim sum. I, I don't know how effort. you ever get that. And it's not, in all honesty, it's not uh, like the the bow aren't with all the white flour. That isn't what I'm thinking <clears throat> isn't good. So, but you never know. But then when I was in um, Winthrop, one night we went to Twisp for dinner, and we went to a place called Toppi. I'm assuming it's pronounced that way, T-A-P-P-I. It's an Italian place. And they did a really good job. Um, they had pizzas, and they had pastas. They had a lot of vegetarian things, roasted cauliflower and a kale Caesar. Everything was really fresh and pretty local. Mm. So that was, that was a really nice experience. And then recently, we were down at Water's Table at the Hyatt Regency in Renton, or should I say Seattle's Southport, because that's how they're doing it. Seattle's Southport? Seattle's Southport. Huh. Like the Southport belonging to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I think you liked it. I'm not sure you liked it as much as I did, but um, one of the things, what happens is that we love to get a a chef to just do a bunch of little things for us, so we get to try a number of things. And they did that. They did that. Um, And I think this happens to us somewhat frequently that they'll do things that they think everybody wants to have. So salmon, they did salmon, they did short ribs for us. And we're not crazy about either one of those things, so it's a little hard to say. I'm crazy about a good salmon. I just have trouble finding yeah. it. But I had said, boy, if you if you want to bring us anything that you haven't thought of, I want to try the octopus, and it was killer. Yeah, that was pretty good. And that it charred just, it real nice. Oh, yeah, and it was so tender and just, it was really good. Now, speaking of salmon, hats off to Steelhead Diner, who got a two-thumbs-up from Cheryl Crow for having <gasps> the best right. salmon at the Steelhead Diner yep. while she was here. I think she was on tour. I think that's well-deserved, extremely well-deserved. Now, we know what makes her happy. Yeah. Salmon. Salmon. <laughs> but in any case, everything that we did have whether it was our favorite or not, in terms of what we'd pick, it was all perfectly cooked. It was, and, and it was a nice, you know, you're right there on the lake. You've got a. It was all well executed. View. Yeah, really nice. Just a really nice job. 
So, and the other thing that we liked there was the service and the people who worked there, whether mm-hmm. they were in the restaurant or in front or they were a marketing person. They were all well trained and they all had nice personalities. Yeah. None of them was like a, you know, a, just a dead as a stick type yeah. of guy, you know. And they weren't at either end of the spectrum. They weren't like trying to sell you on the place all the time or, you know, we've got the best food or we've got the best this. They were really friendly, happy to be there, proud of their property, and and you know, and yet professional. They weren't like jokesters, but really, yeah. really nice. And the property is really nice. Yeah, got a beautiful view right up the uh, uh, right up Lake Washington there at Mercer Island on the right, downtown in the middle, Olympics yeah. off to the left. Really nice. Yeah. In fact, we are putting a story up about that property and the and the restaurant in the August issue. So check that out. Hmm. And what about you, Mr. Marin? Where the heck have you been? I have been poking around. Uh, let's see. I went to um, Jolie. Oh, yeah. Down in the little village in Ballard there at 65th and 8th. Actually, 65th and 7th. 7th. Uh, northwest. Um, you know, they opened back at the first of the year. And uh, original owner... I uh, had a, a little problem where some key people all left on the same day, and so she had to kind of run it herself for a while and decided to sell it. And a couple of people who worked for Casper's bought it and uh, turned it around, reopened it, and it's quite good. And I'm taking you there tonight for dinner. I'm very excited about that because yeah. you were really high on it. So. A really good beet salad, mm. uh, some good proteins. I got a happy hour there that's that's very reasonably priced. Uh, wasn't packed when we went in, so I can't tell you if it's super loud inside or not. Yeah. But it didn't seem that way to me. Uh, lots of light coming through the windows. Oh, nice! So I'm um, excited about this. And we tried to go uh, last Monday, but as it turned but they're out, closed on they're Monday. closed on Monday. So, um, you know, the thing is, the way the press works is when they give you a shot in the press, uh, that's it. They won't write about you for another year, typically. You know, we're talking about daily papers and yeah. anybody who might come in and do an interview with you for the news program or something. So these guys are in there now who are running it, and they won't get any activity from the press for until, you know, next yeah. winter probably. Well, maybe we'll just take care of that ourselves. Yeah, we'll take care of that. I think we will. Um, what else? Let's see. We went to the Tipsy Cow in Redmond. And, um, in Woodenville, actually. They have one in Redmond, but we were in Woodenville. Oh, that's right. We went to the one in Woodenville. There's two. Yeah. So the Tipsy Cow does uh, a lot of burgers, and they do it all with organic beef. Uh, uh, not organic, but, well, it's organic grass-fed. Yeah. And so, uh, so that's always good. Uh, Kind of good news to me, but then I got to know, is that coming up from the south, like New Zealand, Australia, or is that coming in locally? Turns out it's coming in locally. So yeah. the terroir is more to my liking that's in that beef. Mm-hmm. And uh, Not gamey. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, it wasn't gamey at all. Yeah. Um, lots we, of different cocktails. They had some boozy milkshakes yeah. there. And they had um, a number of salads that looked really good. Mm-hmm. So and it was pretty popular. It was a little bit loud, but they also have those roll-up garage doors, so that's kind of nice. And they yeah. had some outdoor p- seating. Some reason they didn't have those open when we were there, and it was warm out. I don't know why. You know, there was something about that day. It, it was going to be warm, but it, I remember not being all that warm that 
when we were there. Yeah. So I think it, I think it hadn't hit Woodenville yet. Like Seattle was warm, but Woodenville did hmm. not quite hit it yet. Where and else then, did we? Uh, oh, I know where we had another boozy. Oh, we didn't have a boozy milkshake. We just had a milkshake. Yeah, you didn't have the put any booze in it. You ordered it, Mister. I was trying. Well, I got it. Told him. I said we're gonna have a boozy milkshake, and then they brought oh. the virgin milkshake. Yeah, but it was a salted caramel milkshake. Oh my god. There was the Virgin Mary and the Boozy Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. That, so that was at the Commons. So what else? Where else? I took a little it? road trip and went down to uh, uh, Pendleton, Oregon. And uh, we kind of talked about this before, but I'm going to give another thumbs up to Hamley Steakhouse. Yeah. Best prime rib in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And all you guys listening from the RUIs and all the big conglomerates, you can go down there and taste it yourself. They 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 do it. And the nice thing about it was I got there, had the prime rib. We had it last summer. Mm-hmm. And the consistency was there. Oh, it wasn't nice. like, well, I ended up with the jive piece of meat the second time. Yeah. It was an excellent piece of meat. And I'm going to go back again someday the next yep. time I go down to Pendleton. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping I'll go next time because this time all I got was this lousy picture of a piece of prime rib. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the other place I went down there, second time eating there, was the Sundown. Oh, yeah. Um, what do they call it? They call it the Sundown Grill and Barbecue. And uh, it's run by a woman. Her husband ran it with her, but he passed away this last year. She's still doing it. She's making all the sauces by hand. In fact, she apologized to me for my dinner coming late because she'd burned up all the veggies making a barbecue sauce. <laughs> so she had to start those over again before she could get around to making me my dinner. So, um, At least you know it's fresh. Quite good place. So uh, uh, I highly recommend, uh, you know... This is not like the Epicurean capital of the Pacific Northwest, but there yeah. are a few good places to eat in Pendleton, Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, and some good roads and areas to look at down there. Yeah, and there's also some bad places to eat. So do yes. your homework, listen to us. <laughs> Always listen to us. <sighs> All, All right. right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll look at the latest tidbits from our News Bites file. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Ethan Stoll Restaurants, fresh ingredients, lets the food do the talking, from house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. Hi, this is Chad, and I live in Shoreline, but I love to go down to Seattle and dine at the Harvest Vine. This is Russell Lowell, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Back on the Seattle Dining Show, I'm the publisher, Tom Merritt. I'm here with Connie Adams, our senior editor. And you could keep up with our news bites, which is what we're going to be talking about here, as they happen by following our Twitter account, at Seattle Dining One, or reading the news bites column at seattledining.com. That's the easiest way. 
Yeah. The Twitter, you know, they, they filter all the stuff. So you might see one news bite and then you won't see the next one. You won't see all the news bites in succession. Yeah. You just go to seattledining.com yeah. and click on news bites. You don't have to wait for it to appear or, in your Twitter feed between the Melania Trump tweet <laughs> and uh, Angelina Jolie tweet. And really, like I just don't care. Do you? No. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a Melania joke. It's oh, a Melania yeah. Joke. I got you now. Okay. <laughs> All, right, All right. So, so let's so. talk about what's going on here around town. All right. Well, the first thing I thought I'd mention is that the Mayflower Park Hotel, which is a great place, by the way, has a new catering and events manager, Melinda Johnson. She's worked for Bon Appetit at Amazon headquarters and also for Marination Mobile. So does that mean a Bon Appetit has some sort of a restaurant concession in an Amazon headquarters somewhere? Right. You know, Bon, bon Appetit is a... It's like a magazine. No, no, it's not. I mean, it is. It is a magazine, but it's not connected to Bon Appetit, the company that provides food to places like Amazon or... Oh, so it uh, is like a food concessionaire. It's, yeah, and they do a lot of um, museums and things like that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So... So I'll, she's I'll, got, I'll get out in the world one day. Yeah, you know, for a man who owns a dining magazine. And doesn't know everything about food. Yeah, but that's why I'm here, right? That's why I started a magazine, so I could learn more. Exactly. Great job. Okay, so that's what's happening there. And, and you said uh, they're going to have something called Marination Mobile? No, that's where she used to work also. She worked for Bon Appetit, and she worked for Marination Mobile. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought that was my mobile catering service, Marination. <laughs> yeah, M-E-H-R-E-N-A-T-I-O-N. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, I tried to trademark that, but three people were already onto it, so I don't know. Yeah. All hmm. right, uh, let's see. The Met Grill received the Wine Spectator Grand Award, one of only seven, added in 2018 to the list of worldwide winners. You know, I always forget, so it's good that I'm bringing it up because I can't be accurate, Um some of these, some things you have to really take with a grain of salt because to get an award, you have to either pay to be in the competition or do this or that. I don't think this is one of those. So they don't, you know, like like they said, worldwide they only added seven this year. So that's a pretty big, hmm. pretty big deal. I'm gonna send them a recipe for Hamley's uh, prime rib. Yeah, do that. Do that. <laughs> All right, the pineapple hospitality people, and these are people who have. M- Primarily hotels around. I thought they primarily had pineapples. Well, they're they're big in Hawaii, and I'm lying about that. Don't listen to me. Um, they have opened at the uh, Hotel Five downtown Seattle, the Pineapple Bistro and Bar. So they've revamped the former restaurant that was in there. It's got a new bar with twenty twenty two seats. They've got games, lounge furniture, some themed drinks, and then also they added in the lobby an espresso stand. That's open 6.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. So that's just one more place, if you work downtown, that you can whip in there on your way to work and get that espresso. Oh, thank God. At least there's one place we can get it. And that's Fifth Avenue. There's probably none other on that street, you know. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Well, you know, down in that neighborhood, I was down looking at all the Tom Douglas stuff uh, just across from Jazz Alley there. Oh, yeah. A big operation going on in there. With Tanaka Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, what is it called? The Community? No, not the Community. No. Uh, and then he's got the the uh, grocery store in the back. And he's and, and, and lo and behold, when I went in there, he was cutting up the uh, the brisket. 
right there. (laughs) Hands on. Tom is hands on. Yep. I asked him to autograph my brisket, but he wouldn't do it. Uh, So anyways, uh, new restaurant going on up in the Ballinger Way Lake Forest Park area. It's called the Local 104. Now, we know what 104 means, in case you're wondering. That's the state route that that is on. So it's called the Local 104, being built now, going to be a neighborhood eatery with pizza, small plates, salads, sandwiches, and a tap room with 30 handles, beer, wine, and cider. Yeah. There you go, kids. You're evolving up there on Ballinger Way now. It's being built right now. It's not... Open is it? Is this going in where something else was? It was a little market. You know, how, you know, like the Sheridan Market on on the Bothell. Oh yeah, that little one that went down. It was like a little market like that. Okay, okay. So they're doing a lot of work on it. The outside looks pretty good. I I haven't looked inside. It could be just framing still. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, um, the next one I think everyone in the world has heard this now, but we got to throw it out there because it's a very big piece of news. Angela Stoll is the new CEO for Fair Start. She'll be starting on October 14th. So she's, um, you know, obviously been critical in the Ethan Stoll restaurants. and uh, Without her, there wouldn't be Ethan Stoll restaurants. I, you know, honestly, she's, she's had a big, huge... That's a, maybe... I'll tell you what. Ethan makes a lot of good decisions, but that's probably the best decision he ever made. Yeah, to and he her. makes good food, but I think she's, she's running the, the back of the house quite well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a nice person on top of that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, you know, they'll be figuring out what they're going to do. And in October, she'll take over that. Do we know, is, is Angela Stoll going to stay connected to her duties at Ethan Stoll restaurants? Or is she going to be solely a Fair Start dedicated person now? <laughs> My guess is that she's um, disengaging. But, you know, it's their business. She's never going to be completely disengaged. Yeah. But Fair Start's a big deal. You know, it's it's grown. And, they, and I don't know if you're even aware that they started their – this was – coming for years and years, but they do have a kind of a national arm of Fair Start, and they help train other people how to get that kind of program up and running in other cities. Oh, I didn't know that. So there's, along with the the restaurants, and of course they just added five new outlets recently with the Amazon help, and they still do the training, the barista training for kids. They make uh, meals for, like, seniors, assisted living places, and Mm -hmm. daycare. I mean, Fair Start is quite a big thing, and I think they they want to continue growing. So, to to give people more and more opportunity, you know, to get out of the the street. Yeah. So they want to keep that growth going. So that's really why they're bringing. And her in. we need more sixteen dollar an hour chefs in this town. Yes, we do. Or I'm actually don't mean chefs. I mean cooks. You know what, though? Actually, I think did I talk about this last month? Somebody told me they went to a restaurant and it closed down Friday and Saturday nights because they couldn't find anyone to cook. Oh, no, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, and they reopened, you know, and but I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if somebody got sick, but they couldn't find anybody, Huh? which was really strange. But well, anyway. We were just having this conversation in the car earlier today about, about how the city is changing from using actual trained chefs to just uh, having $16 an hour cooks. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a big market for someone to go and do uh, menu consulting. And uh, all these guys have to do at 16 bucks an hour is execute that menu that was created by whoever. Yeah. Actually, you know, when you look at chefs who seem to churn a lot, like they go in a place and they're gone before you know it, that's exactly what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. the opening chef. They're getting everything under control and, you know, getting the menu set. 
yeah. make sure it seems to be going okay, and then they're gone. Get to be the norm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's a surprise. Uh, the Lodge Sports Grill. Uh, you all might remember that uh, several years ago they popped up about six or eight of these in the course of about 12 months. And and I don't know about the rest of you, but some of us bean counters looked at that and said, wow. That's happening fast. That's uh, going to really put a pinch on the cash flow. And, of course, it did, and they went into bankruptcy. Uh, but they've been purchased now by a group that includes Howard McQuaid from 13 Coins and uh, Al Moscatel, who's also involved in 13 Coins, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. On a daily basis, constantly. I bet they got a smoking deal. I bet you they got a dime on a dollar for that. Probably. So um, they're working on turning it around, making it a friendlier pace for both the staff and the people who come to visit. And um, we'll be interested to see what they mm. have coming up. The other interesting thing about it is that they're kind of working on each location one by one. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you might go to one and, and you think, this is great. And then you see another one, you go, I'll go there. And it doesn't have that same. They're not done. By October yeah. 1st, they're going to have their locations all done. Which is about the time you'll want to start going to the lodge again anyways to watch Seahawks games. Yeah. Yep. Good place to be in ucky weather, too. All right, another thing people probably have heard about by now, but Josh Henderson has sold Westward, St. Helens Cafe, and the Great State Burger to his partners, Chad Dale and Ira Gerlich. They are in turn merging with Renee Erickson's Sea Creatures Group. So Josh is keeping Quality Athletics, Kiki Ramen, Poulet Galore, and any new projects that he comes up with. And you know, if you've watched Josh at all, there are going to be new projects. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he... May have sold off the most profitable projects. Yeah. Remember when he was, we had him on the podcast? And yeah. one of the things he said was that as, as he goes along and starts something, he gives away pieces of it, you know, a partial ownership of it, mm-hmm. until the point is that he, there's no point in him being there. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. got too small of a piece of it. So that may have been what he did here. I don't know that. But. Oh, no. Part of the reason for this was he wanted to spend more time with his family. Yeah, and they're they're like uh, island hopping between here and somewhere out in the San Juan. Yeah, and you know what? I'm glad he's doing that at his age. He's still young. You know, when you come to that realization and you're 70, it's too late. It's not. It's never too late. But you know, he's going to have growing up time with his boys, which is nice. Okay, Uh, here's something so new that we're actually. Recording the show two days before it actually happens, so just pretend <laughs> that we're recording the show on the 1st of August. The Flat Stick Pub in South Lake Union opened on July 28th on Westlake by the brothers Sam and Andy Largent. Their food partner is Ethan Stoll. They're going to do pizza, salad, and more. The concept is to go down there and have fun. They're going to have a nine-hole putt-putt gold course. That would be golf, because I always type D, but oh, I mean F. Oh, well, I thought it was a gold golf. I thought it was like a nine-nine putt-putt course designed by uh, Arnold Palmer. <laughs> no. No, okay. It's just a golf course. Uh, two golf-themed games, patios, TV. They're going to have rotating local beers, ciders, and wine on tap. I think I've heard that once before. Yeah, today. you know what? Everything's on tap now. Linda Dershank, she's been busy. She has sold Tallulah's to Brad Hagen, and he's from the family that owns the Hagen grocery chain. Plus, he's the CEO the, of... The Hagen dumpster fire? 
The ha- I'm sorry? The Hagen grocery dumpster fire. I don't know about this. It was all the hubbub that went on with the Hagen stores that opened up and then closed. Oh, oh they're bought, calling that a sold. dumpster fire? Yeah, it was a total dumpster fire. The thing was a mess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, somebody made money out of that. You got to get somebody you had up to speed on Oh, that. I know what you're talking about. I just never heard the words dumpster fire. I think, I think the guy who was doing the buying and selling was the one making all the money. Yeah. And then he got to make it all over again. Yeah, then it didn't happen, so he... Anyway, Anyways. he's also the CEO of Naples Best Restaurants. So, And in related news, Linda Dershing has purchased the Queen City Grill, which, as you and I discussed a little earlier, is very interesting because some people who used to work there bought it, which was that, one or two years ago? Mm-hmm. And they were going to bring it back to its former glory. And I've never heard anything about it. I, it. It's been open the whole time, so I thought it was going well. But in any case, she's purchased it. And she's going to close it to refresh it and then reopen as Queen Grill. Is she going to play all Queen music? That's an idea. Lots of Freddie Mercury. Yeah, she, you know, the Freddie that Mercury idea salad. The Brian May burger. <laughs> mm. uh, let's see. Oh, this is, this is big news. Um, if you've ever been down to Goldendale, you know it's kind of like a desert down there. It is. And there's kind of like nothing but a whole bunch of wind turbines. So there's a huge vineyard, winery, tasting room, lodge, spa, restaurant project with multiple investors going in on the Columbia River outside of Goldendale. Now, all I remember there is the the museum and the uh, Stonehenge replica. So Hmm. if it's right on the river... I think it's going to get busy at the Stonehenge replica. Yeah, which would be a good thing. Uh, names you will know are involved. See if you know any of these names. Edgar Martinez. Yeah, never heard of a guy. Greg Lill of DeLille Sellers. Never heard of a guy. Alan Shoup with Chateau Saint-Michel. No, he used to be there. He, was, he's at, he heads up Long Shadows. Uh, the property owners sold it. I guess they sold the property for one-third ownership in the entire new project. And I'm thinking this has something to do with the Hochter family, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, you couldn't find anything when you were... Couldn't find anything when I went digging. I didn't go dig the public records yet. But uh, the Hochter family is a very big agricultural family in Goldendale. So this was this involved 4,500 acres of space. So uh, look out, Goldendale. Here comes your tourist business now. <laughs> it's coming. I'm going to let you do the next one. This one's really breaking my heart. The Finney Market Pub and Eatery will close. Well, they have closed. It's closing yeah. on the 30th of oh, July. So. Don't forget, we're, you know, you're listening to the show after the 1st of August. So, uh, After seven years of being open. And we and, don't know uh, why. We don't know why. We're wondering why. If anybody knows why, post it on our Facebook page. Yeah, there you go. Um, I know that I stopped eating there when they stopped doing breakfast. Oh. They would do brunch on the weekends, but they used to do a weekday breakfast. They'd open up at like 7.30 or 8, and I could go in there and get breakfast. Yeah. And then they stopped that, and I never went back. Hmm. They had a lot of children that were coming in there. Yeah, it was very family-oriented. Yeah. We did dinner there right after, fairly soon after they opened, so that'll tell you how long ago that was, seven years. Um. And obviously we didn't go back, so maybe that was the problem. Huh. I don't know. More closings. More closings. Um, Chandler's is closing. Chandler's Crab House. 
And from what I have been hearing, um, that whole area is going to be redeveloped, and apparently the plans aren't in place or aren't being discussed openly yet or something. So um, Schwartz Brothers is going to close Chandler's. That doesn't look like they're going to reopen anywhere else. They they want to kind of focus on Daniel's, that concept. Mm. So um, And also the Dukes that has been there forever is moving. It's moving along elsewhere in, in South Lake Union. They're not going to be gone. They're just going to be in a new spot. Maybe they're going to bring Hooters back. Yeah, that would be a great redevelopment. There you go. Hooters, Chili's, Applebee's, and Olive Garden. <laughs> oh, let's make the oh, South Lake Union God. area good. Oh, and let's bring back Tony Roma's. Yeah. That's a place for ribs. Yeah. Remember when Tony Roma's used to win the best ribs in Seattle? Always. My God, that was so funny. We are like, who's eating there? <laughs> Um, well, the one thing I'll say about Chandler's is uh, uh, I think the last time I ate there was when my I said to my mom, I said, hey, mom, uh, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? And she says, I would just like a crab cake. Mm. And I said, I know the perfect place to take you. And I took her down to Chandler's, and she had one crab cake, <laughs> and that's what she had for dinner, and she was happy. As she was a, a big eater. As a crab. Uh, happy, no, as a, uh, happy as a clam. Yeah. She was a big eater. And uh, August 31st is her birthday, so happy birthday, oh, yeah, Mom. yeah, that's great. She's not here to have any more crab cakes with us, though. No, we'll always remember Chandler's for that last crab cake. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll do the calendar. Sounds good. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. Hi, this is Lenny. I live in Beacon Hill, and one of my favorite restaurants is Parasol, but it happens to be in Retton. Hi, this is Phil Klein with Natchez Heights Vineyards, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. You're back with the Seattle Dining Show and Tom, publisher, and Connie, editor, and we are going into our calendar items. And just so you remember, we put new things up all the time, so check back at seattledining.com backslash calendar to see what else is new. So, number one on deck, better make it quick, it's going to be Thursday, August 2nd. The Rhine House, which is located up on Capitol Hill at 912 12th Avenue in Seattle. Rhine House Pig and Pint Night. <laughs> You've heard of Pig and Whistle. Well, you're not getting a whistle. You're getting a pint. It'll be from 530 to 730. Meat in the beer garden for the whole roasted pig, seasonal sides, and featured beer of the night. The price will be around $17, whatever that means, and includes a beer. You know what I'm thinking? I've been wondering about this. Um, I think that they do this uh, maybe once a month or something. So maybe the around 17 is because the beer changes. Oh, maybe it's market price. Yeah, so it might be 
um, you know, whatever beer they have, that's the price or whatever, for that beer. whatever the pig costs that, that month. That could to be too, you know, actually. Yeah. If the pork was coming in at two sixty seven last month and it's two seventy six this month, you'd be oh. paying three bucks more. You know, it's interesting. I was having a discussion with somebody the other day about sales that they put on, and they were kind of like, "We're not going to really do monthly sales for a while because we'll do them like a two week sale because the price of food, especially uh, protein, changes so rapidly that you can yeah. put a special on and then you can lose your shirt." Yeah, you could. Oh. You almost have to do that based on like. <clears throat> like you bought futures on some yeah. protein, you know, and now you know the truck's on the way and you're going to do it for two weeks and everything on that truck. And then when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably not a bad thing because it gets people, you know, motivated to get in and get it. Mm-hmm. Saturday, August 4th, it's the Edmonds Wine Walk. This happens every year, 5 to 8 p.m. Advanced tickets are $25, $30 the week of the event. You get to stroll through Edmonds' historic downtown. You can meet local winemakers and check out the shops. And the wine tastes are actually poured in the shops. So, good way to get in there and see see what the shops have going on and enjoy a little wine. And here it says it's $30 a week of the event. Is the event last a week? No. Oh, okay. Because I can't imagine the, walking the week around up for to. a week tasting wine. <laughs> Wear your really good tennis shoes. <laughs> Uh, Thursday, August 9th, Coral Wines Wine Dinner at Chandler's Crab House. I thought they were closed on the 30th. Well, you know what? That may, because I was looking this up, I put this on a while ago, and now it's like you can't find it. And the ticket site doesn't go anywhere. So that are they? Clo- is that what oh, we just said? Oh, it doesn't said? say it clo- here. It doesn't say they're closed on the 30th. Yeah, I don't know so, when they okay. closed, but I will say that when I was, like, the, the, uh, link I have in the calendar, it goes nowhere now. Mm. So um, so I went out on the website, and it, it says, well, this says 132 inclusive of tax and grab. $132.12 inclusive of yeah. tax and grab. But it says nothing about food. It's just the wine. You know you're not paying $132 for some wine taste. So, no. so I don't know what's happening there. I don't know if they just haven't gotten their website set or what's going on. So pick up the phone and call them if yeah. you want to go do this, because it might be your last meal at, at Chandler's. At Chandler's. There's history there. <laughs> okay, you're doing the next one? Nope, you are. I just talked over you on that last one. Oh, okay. Uh, so now I'm into the evens. Uh, oh, Thursday, oh, sorry, that is mine. Yeah. August 9th is going to be the paella dinner at the Harvest Vine. Starts at 6 p.m. and goes until you go. <laughs> It'll be $150, and that includes the food, the wine, the flamenco entertainment, the tax, and the grat. Good deal. Menu and wine pairings are on our calendar. Yeah. Every, every course is listed. Do you want to? That's at 2701 East Madison Street. Oh, sorry. I don't know how to flip pages. <laughs> All right. Friday, August 10th through Sunday, August 12th, it's Kirkland Summerfest. Live performances, outdoor venues, purveyors of fine foods, local beer and wine, interactivities, interactive activities, all on beautiful Lake Washington. That sounds like a repetitive statement. The interactive activities. I know. You'd think you'd have to be active to do an interactive activity. I guess you could have an inactive activity, like sitting around doing nothing. Nothing, and then it wouldn't be interactive, yeah. (laughs) All right, uh, Friday, August 11th. 
Get out your Dramamine. It's the Caribbean Reggae Party Cruise on Waterways Cruise. It's going to be a two-and-a-half-hour cruise. Can't tell you if that's going to be on, like, Lake Union, Lake Washington, or out in the ocean. We no, don't know. It's... You have to figure out when you get there. <laughs> uh, you know, dance the night away to reggae and top hits with live DJ entertainment. And by the way, I just want you to know, uh, I heard they tried to get Bob Marley and the Whalers for this. <laughs> But Didn't then go. they found out that Bob Marley had died. Yeah, that's such yeah. a drag. And also the whalers were out doing their whaling trip. so They, they were whaling over the loss of Bob. Yeah, yeah, they were whaling mm-hmm. on their whaling trip. Uh, so the uh, price includes a drink, one drink, music, appetizers, dessert, 21 and over only. We don't know what the price is. Yeah, and it's Caribbean-inspired appetizers and cocktails. They also didn't... Uh, mention where they're leaving out. I'm, I'm assuming it's on uh, Lake Union as well, wow. out, outside Fremont. I think yeah. that's the spot, but I'm, they have several both. spots. So I'm not sure. You have to check that out. All right. The Auction of Washington Wines is a multi-part, uh, kind of longer than a weekend. The Winemaker Picnic and Barrel Auction is Thursday, August 16th. You get to meet and mingle with Washington winemakers. There are over 100 wines to taste, so we're suggesting spit. Um, Yeah. Spit the first 99 and drink the last glass. The bites are by the Tulalip Resort Casino's restaurants, and it's all about street food this year. We went to a preview um, of the food they were going to do, and some of it was really good. What was the... um, Shoot, what was the one I like so much? Now I'm blanking. Oh, oh, you know what? I brought some things with me that I don't have now. So um, I brought the list of foods. That's right. Just look it up Yeah. online. They'll have a list. Yeah. Um, you can bid on one-of-a-kind wines in the barrel auction. This all takes place at Saint Michel. It's 150 per person. And this is an interesting one. You can get their picnic blanket special. It's only 1500 You get reserved seating and eight tickets to the winemaker picnic. Not a bad idea. Yeah. And then they're having winemaker dinners on Friday, August 17th. This is all associated with the auction of Washington wines. Uh, This one only costs $500 a person. Yeah. So we hope they're raising money for a good cause. Uh, The three, these will be at three different homes, one on Queen Anne, one on Newport Shores, and one on Mercer Island. Uh, there's actually six homes, but they already sold out the first three. We yeah. can't even tell you where those are. It's so top secret now. It's, um, it's still on the website if you want to know what you can't go to. And all those dinners start at 6.30. And then also on Friday the 17th at 6.30, there's a thing called Unleashing the Art of Red, Intrinsic Street Art Installation. And this, again, is part of the auction of Washington with right. the Lions. Um Early bird through August 12th is $75 tickets, 100 per person after the 12th. It's wine, and this intrigues me, unexpected food pairings. That scares me. Yeah, and music. And <laughs> augmented reality experience that will move you to dance. Ooh. Sounds like somebody putting cannabinoids in my wine. <laughs> Uh, Saturday, August 18th, the gala. But it's sold out. But it's sold out. We just thought we'd torture you by saying that. It's the big boy, and it's sold out. 
So, you know, if all this sounded interesting to you, you're going to want to get on their mailing list for 2019 and be hip to all this stuff yeah. when it's going down right away, and you can get in on it. Exactly. Just don't forget to break out your 401k checkbook. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you said it better be going to a good cause. It goes to um, the enology program, enology programs, and then there's another, it might be Children's Hospital or something. So it's a, a lot of this money is... Um, donated. Okay. Yeah. So you mean everybody who's in the enology programs is not paying to be in them because they're getting funded through No, this? no, they're funding the schools. It's like so you're sponsoring, you know, later there'll be a Chateau Saint-Michel So they're wing teaching children the- how to grow grapes? No, honey, you're, you're mixing the two things up. Oh. It's going to two different places. Oh, I see. <laughs> I guess everybody else got that, but I didn't. Yeah, Children's Hospital. I'm not even sure. I no, have you to said go back they were and look. funding schools. Enology, the enology, the enology program. Yeah, and I know there's enology programs out in central Washington, and I thought you paid to go to take those programs. Yes, you do. Okay. It's just like supporting, like giving money to the University of Washington. Oh, I got you. Yeah. So it'll be a bigger, better program, but you just paid the same price. Hopefully. Hopefully okay. it doesn't go up. Friday, August 17th, Duoco's Rosé on the Patio. That would be my typo. It's Kuoko's. Kuoko's Rosé. See, you like the way I announce Connie's typos? (laughs) I do them right, you know? Yeah. You say Kuoko, you put down Duoco, I say Duoco, it comes out perfect. (laughs) I just rolled it right off, and then I find out it's supposed to be Kuoko's. Rosé oh, on boy. the patio. It's going to be happening Friday now. This one starts early, so you don't want to get off work early. 4.30 to 7.30. They're going to have summer snacks, DJ vibes, on the patio, and Italian roses. Rosés. Rosés. See, now, if you put the little Didn't automatically do thingy it. on the end there. I was in a rush. I, would, see, I, was, I keep saying it right. I was in a rosé rush. Italian sodas, oh no, or Italian rosés for sampling. This is going to be 25 bucks in advance, $30 at the door. We don't know if that includes the tax and grat. It is located on 310 Terry Avenue. I'm thinking it's a flat fee because you're going to go in and, and mill around. Well, now you probably should use, use leave a tip. This is also part of a, a um, series, so they'll be doing this. I think it's once a month or once a week or something. Friday... Well, everything's happening on Friday, August 17th, isn't it? Oh. Sunset Supper at the Market. This is the Big Daddy. This is 105, 175 general admission. You get in at 7.30. If you buy a table for 10, it's just $2,750. Um, 7 p.m. you get in a little early. And also if you get a two, $275 individual patron seating, that gets you in at 7. That goes till 11 p.m. This year it's the 111th anniversary of the market. And there are a hundred of the region's best restaurants, wineries, breweries, and distilleries. It's you know if you really love food and beverage and want to don't mind moving about amongst a crowd, um, it's a lot of fun uh, to try all the different things. And then after the sun sets, they have live music and you can dance on you know what is that Pike Avenue or something? It's the mm-hmm. the main thing there at the market. When are they going to shut that down and not have any cars on there anymore? Yeah, it would be kind of nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would yeah. be. That ticket price includes all food and drinks, so whatever you have that night, it's covered. And there's lots of little bites. Oh, tons. Like, tons. You know, like Connie says, 100 restaurants, but it's just a whole bunch of little bites. So you go down and it's eat to your heart's of all delight. Those things. 
On uh, Saturday, August 25th. Hey, we finally got out of Friday, August yeah. 17th. Phew. Uh, the Belltown Crush Block Party. This is going to be from 3 p.m. in the afternoon until 7 at the Bell Street Park. Formerly the Dog Park. No, that's not true. Uh, $35 <laughs> a ticket for early entry. Got to get those tickets before 2 p.m. No, no, no. There's limited amounts of those tickets, but it means you get into the party at 2 instead of 3. Okay. And then for 25 bucks, regular in advance. They're going to have 10 wineries, 10 breweries, 4 cideries, live music, street food, grape stomping competition. Fun. Now, do you drink all your beer and, and wine and cider and then go grape stomping? And do they have the little... Uh, nitrile gloves to put on my feet if I do the grape stomping. <laughs> that would be good. Um, that uh, event, pro- the proceeds benefit Plymouth Housing Group. Ah, I missed that one. I was yeah. so busy making up jokes. You were making jokes and reading my typos out loud. Ah, yes. All right. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we are going to have our interviews with Chefs Bill Morris and Tom Black of Gormando. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, I'm Danielle. I live in Ballard, just moved here from Orlando, Florida. One of the restaurants I love so far is Bitterroot off Ballard Ave. It's got phenomenal smoked barbecue foods, really southern. It was delicious. Hey, this is Christopher Chan, the host of Happy Hour Radio. And right now you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the senior editor. Says that. And uh, we have some of the top brass in the studio right now from Gormando. Connie, take it away. Thank you. Well, not only top brass at Gormando, but two of the great chefs in Seattle, Bill Morris, who's been at the Rainier Club for 21-plus years, you said, and yep. Tom Black, who I have known for years and... So many places you've had your hand into, that in, in, in good ways, I might add. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I, we were talking a few minutes ago about history, and I would like to go into that. Talk, talk about the woman who founded this, because this is really interesting, the timeline. She was really ahead of her time. She was. Bill, you want to jump in there? Um, Alyssa um, <laughs> has uh, started the business in... Uh, August uh, of 1996. And that would be August 2nd, as August I recall. August 2nd of 1996, yes. Um, and uh, it started small, really small, and just kind of organically grew um, with uh, people showing interest. The first year was pretty tough, and she struggled to stay uh, open and keep the vision, but then good things happened. She per, uh, um, you know, put the hard work in and... Mm-hmm. She didn't waver in what she wanted to see happen and stuck to her guns. Yeah. And 
you know, it's been proven over and over again, over and over again that good things happen if you, you know, are persistent yeah. towards your dream, and she was. And you mentioned that as of yesterday, you guys are known as the largest event caterer in Seattle. So that's uh, from from a little tiny beginning in the market. That's a yeah. big jump. Yeah, it is a big jump. I mean, it's a 22, 23 year now jump. Mm. Um, so it's been a rough road, but the growth has been uh, pretty incredible um, the last six, seven years. Mm, okay. I mean, that has a lot to do with uh, just Seattle and where Seattle is. Yeah, a lot of and and also as you mentioned the. It really started as well. There, it started as a cafe, which I didn't realize. I thought it was catering, but it started as a cafe. But your business—I mean, your your real demographic were the accountants, the lawyers, all the people in the offices. So that explains why as Seattle grows. Exactly. I think uh, I think Alyssa stumbled upon uh, something really early on, and that was her ability to provide a great sandwich and a salad that she was doing in her cafe at someone's desk. Yeah. And she, she broke down the barrier that she had keeping her from figuring that out. And once she did, it just opened up a tidal yeah. wave of everybody wanted to have a better sandwich at their desk than they were able to get from someone else. Yeah. It was and, like that very fresh, wholesome market approach. Bringing yeah. that instead of just the prepackaged approach. Yeah, and you remember those sandwiches? They always had plastic around them, and the cheese or the mayonnaise would stick to the. <laughs> and still to this, uh, still to this day, our 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 program and the way it's treated is differently than anybody else doing the big scale box lunches in town. Not to talk anything about bad about our our, our um, competitors competitors, but we literally build the sandwiches right before they need to leave the building instead uh-huh. of building them days in advance or yeah. you know a day and a half in advance yeah. it really makes a difference and, and you're we able, have you're able to do that because of the staff you have or just the system efficient? that's set up and, and it's really about quality and and being consistent with the quality and you can only really get that if you're you're not making a sandwich and then having it sit around for two days wrapped up and then sending it to someone we've yeah. all had a sandwich that's sat in the cooler for a couple of days i hate that yeah, I hate that. It's different. It's different, and it the, doesn't. The it doesn't. The re- lettuce and the nasty tomatoes. Yes, it doesn't represent us. It's food, and you will yeah. not pass away because of it. But you're not getting the better experience, and the yeah. better experience is what she reached for. Yeah, and both of you, I mean, in your history, cooking in Seattle are on that. You know, it's always been like regional and and local and and fresh, seasonal, seasonal. Yeah, so to, in the moment, the last thing you'd want to do is go to a catering firm and put out stuff that sits around three days before it goes out exactly. well it's funny when i when i ran into tom probably i think about two years ago we were at an event and he was participating i was a guest and we started talking and he talked about these box lunches and sometimes doing a thousand a day and i just oh my it was mind-boggling to to think like how that could be fresh yeah. and wholesome and exciting and and then he sold me on the uh, the good work schedule, yeah. uh, so you know ended up coming there. And now I've seen it, and it's really it's about a team who's who's committed to making sure that those are fresh and exciting and done done the right way. Yeah, and it does take an army. Yeah, to do that many, but if you've got the the system down too, obviously yep. something's going on there. The other thing that um, was mentioned earlier was that uh, Alyssa sort of saw that. Uh, need for box lunches because people weren't going out so much, and and as restaurant people, you can 
you know, say yes or no to this, but there was a, a, a big period of time where people, restaurants, were just closing for lunch. They couldn't afford the overhead and the staffing and all that, and, and pe- because people weren't going out as much and, and leaving their offices. As yeah. somebody, as, as a chef, much like Bill has very similar experiences, back in the late 90s, we were both rocking fine dining in downtown yeah. Seattle, and I was present at Fuller's when I saw a global switch from people having the long hour-and-a-half yeah. fine dining lunch. Yeah. And I directly correlated all to the tech boom. Um, yeah. The tech people, they were willing to spend whatever to go out and party at night. But during their workday, they mm-hmm. stayed at their desk and they hammered away. And they wanted to have great food at their yeah. desk or really close to their desks. And they changed the game. They yeah. changed the game. The restaurants and bars that started to flourish were the ones that were serving you know, cool bar food at 5 and 6 o'clock. And not someone serving to find out in lunch. And that's why you right. saw the systematic closing of all the places that do nice food. The Georgian Room for lunch. Yeah. Fuller's for lunch. All those places. Because it just wasn't the same businessman lunch. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Bill, you mentioned earlier about Amazon and places like that. Probably Google and Microsoft. They don't want their people away from the thing. And they've got, like you said, living spaces. Sort of that people can eat at and relax at. But they're still working. They yeah. have nap rooms. <laughs> <laughs> and they bring their dogs to work, and, and it's yeah. it's essentially what I, what I've taken from it is it's like they're trying to make it as close to their own living space as as possible, mm-hmm. so that they can do their work. As Tom mentioned, they don't have to go away from their desk for more than a handful of minutes, but they can also go get a sandwich. They can get anything they want within reach and hang out on a couch and still do their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, just to go back in the history a little bit, it was a little cafe that started, and then the box lunch thing started to grow. And and the Russell Investment, was that the the original was in the market, and that closed? No. No? It didn't close? No, the uh, Russell Investment was the second location. Okay. And it was this little tiny cafe. Yeah. Just a little, L- little kiosk, kiosk, essentially. But did the one in the market close? No. Oh, okay. So no. She that. operated separately, and then, and then she moved the whole operation to South Park. Oh, Okay. And it okay. slowly expanded as, as okay. the company grew. It yeah. kind of the we would move into the next unit next to ours as soon as it made financial sense for the business. And yeah. and I'm not even sure how many units we're in now. We're in there twelve, twelve thirteen units. Yeah. Now. Wow. In South Park? Yeah. Wow. And and there are ten cafes. So how many of those are in places like Amazon or currently Nine? all of them. Oh, all of them. Except for Avalara. I'm sorry, yeah. Avalara, one of them is not uh, Amazon. Is that a condo building or something? No, it's a tax company. I'm an electronic <laughs> tax <laughs> company. It's the IRS. We, we cook. We it, don't know the It's right at the north uh, <laughs> park. It's, north it's, end it's an Hawk Tower. Go Hawks. Of century. <laughs> Enough said then. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a corporate partner, uh, and it's a, it's a hybrid. It's a different thing that we've done in our cafes. Oh, okay. um, it's not necessarily the cafe program, um, but we run a, a very vibrant drink program with them. And we do some grab-and-go sandwiches and some okay. salads, very specific to the, that client. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a version of our cafes, which is, is a direction some of them are going to go in. As mm. Some of our corporate clients are looking for a more something not like a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And you were saying earlier, you're a little bit like your own Starbucks, so you've got – tell people what you've got in the cafes. I'm going to regret having said that. I know it. <laughs> I didn't hear him say that. I, Did you hear him I, say that? Not no. at all. I try it when I try I, to – I think ex- I misheard. No, no, no. I said it. I said when I try to explain to people who have not seen one of our cafes, yes. because the majority of public now 
can't go see one of our cafes. You're right. I tried to explain to them. It's kind of set up the same way. It's a rock-solid coffee program. And, and the case that you walk by before you order your coffee is like a Starbucks, which is filled with sandwiches and wraps mm-hmm. and salads. But they're all things that Gormado made fresh that morning. Mm-hmm. And then above is a pastry case filled with stuff that came out of our bake shop the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, paired with a good coffee program. So it's it's the, the attributes of a Starbucks are there mm-hmm. um, because it just makes sense for those things to kind of coexist. Yeah. I kind of see it as like a, a Starbucks that also meets like Metropolitan Market. Oh, okay. All the interesting things that they have, and some of them they package, some of them they don't. But it, Add a add a Gormano sticker to it with a with a nice packaging, mm-hmm. and there you have it. You have all these fun crafted foods that uh, are just easy to take with you and go about your day. Yeah, and nicely presented too. Mm-hmm. Um, what in terms of the catering? Can anyone hire Gormando? Or are you pretty much just corporate, or anybody can? Right? Anybody can. Right? Anybody can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we do catering. You for, do a lot of weddings, actually, don't you? We. I would not say we do a lot. I oh, say we not. do a handful a year. I've only been. Yeah. See, I'm not even on my first year yet. So oh, okay. I think I've seen four weddings. Oh, okay. It's not a huge and part a of our market. I'm sorry. <laughs> and a funeral. Four weddings and, and a funeral. funeral. That's right. <laughs> It's not a huge part of our market, but somewhere we're looking to grow into. The the company um, has been um, – we opened a lot of cafes in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also found that when we open up a cafe, at least currently with our, our uh, um, partnership with Amazon, what inevitably happens is um, we pick up more corporate catering in a building that we open up a cafe in. Mm-hmm. And then that just – Keeps us busy. Yeah. So it's not that we don't take any other catering. We yeah. take everything. Yeah. And we do a wide variety of them. We do custom stuff every single day of the week, it seems. Yeah. Um, but the core, the big part of the business has been the corporate dining. Okay. So so my question is, um, there's a large commissary somewhere, am I right? South Park. South, South Park. Park. Okay. And so you're, are you baking all the bread right there? No, we don't break our own bread. We buy from Le Panier. Okay. Because that was a partner of theirs in the very beginning. Got it. But and everything else we make there. Yeah. Okay. Branded bread would be – I had a hot moment where I thought about it, and then I talked myself out of it. Well, I thought when is, you said a 1,000 sandwiches, I thought, mm, maybe they're baking their own bread then. No, we currently buy about 3,500 baguettes from Le Panier a week. Wow. We're their biggest client. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, don't bake your own. They'll go out of business. <laughs> yeah, and the intricacies around baking a perfect baguette and the equipment you need to do it and the, the dedication is it's nonstop. It's like I don't owning a dairy farm. You can't you yeah. can't walk away. Yeah. I, I just buy one baguette and then I set up the three D printer and I make the rest there. There you go. <laughs> Yum. Not coming to lunch at your place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leaving right after the show. <laughs> um, I know I was out on the website looking at it and you do. Everything that a caterer should do. I mean, you've got a bar setup thing. You've got event planning, equipment rentals, vendor referrals. Um, you do, like many um, caterers, delivery only. So you'll just take stuff out and leave it. And then Correct. They, do they bring it back or do you go get it? Well, sometimes it's disposable. Oh, okay. So, so they don't want to have to worry about that. Or mm-hmm. other times it's arranged to be picked up. Okay. So... Um, I want I want both of you to tell me what your jobs are right now, and then I want you to talk a little bit about how different that is from restaurant work that you've both done for so many years. 
Uh, well, I'm the director of culinary development, and this is a a huge difference from what I used to do as executive chef throughout the years or sous chef, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, my job currently is primarily working on all the menu development, recipe development, staff training, quality control, innovation, things like that, okay. building that into Gourmando's core and identity. Mm-hmm. And that happens on a daily basis, whether it's fine-tuning the existing things that I haven't even got to change yet, <laughs> or the things that, that we have imp- implemented since I've started uh, just a little less than a year ago. And um, that keeps me busy completely. Oh, yeah. Uh, how that differs from what I used to do, very very similar to Tom, is that uh, we ran a full-service restaurant mm-hmm. with catering rooms, divisions, usually hotels or clubs, and uh, bar programs, which we don't really have that in the same sense here because it's all catering. So people are either ordering online or they're calling up, ordering event, we we prep it, we execute it, and we send it out. Mm-hmm. You don't have that spur of the moment somebody comes in and says, hey, hook me up with a truffle dinner. Yeah, today. <laughs> or what's fresh today, and you just create on the spot. That happens uh, a little bit more previous to them booking, mm-hmm. as Tom said, there's a lot of a lot of custom events all the time. They're just planning it anywhere from a few days to a week to a month out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Tom. Well, what do I do? Um, <laughs> I think I you know everything that needs to get done in the chef world that Bill just didn't mention is kind of what I try to handle. Okay, um, and that's. It can be quite a bit. Facilities, staffing, um, labor, future planning, equipment, just trying to keep the, the machine well-oiled and, and moving forward so that there's very little glitch. It's totally different than anything I've ever done before oh, yeah. in the past. I was just like Bill. You react to the customer sits down right in front of you and what they've decided in that moment that they want to have. Mm-hmm. And you try and do your best to kill it. Now we have to do the same thing, but... It's got to be put onto a platter. It's got to travel in a van. It's got to be set up by someone yeah. who may or may not, you know, be having the same attention to detail as as we have. Um, so big picture and 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 trying to really keep the machine running effectively and efficiently. In our previous lives, uh, food cost was always a concern, but not the biggest concern. The yeah. biggest concern was to put a great product in front of the customer yeah. who was going to love it, and then they were going to come back. Mm-hmm. Gormando needs to be operating efficiently with the number of volume that we're doing. And I, I tell that story to my family to try and get them to understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say that when John, who runs our meat slicer, comes in, and if John's having a bad morning and he slices all the turkey on number five instead of number three... He's just giving back all the profit that that sandwich was going to make that day. Yeah. yeah. And he's just having a bad morning. Yeah. And John is going to slice 16 cases of turkey that morning. So and it's not he's a not going to give it thing. back that morning. No. He's going to give it back for a few days. And <laughs> if we're not paying attention to that, the company's not going to operate profitably and we're not going to be able to, you know, do as many things as we'd like to do. So mm-hmm. paying attention to that kind of stuff keeps me awake at nights, which is oh, yeah. crazy because that's so different than <laughs> yeah. my previous life. But yeah. Neither it. one of you really cook anymore. 
Bill cooks all the time. I, I do. Okay. I don't cook very often. I do some special events and some auction item dinners, and, and very rarely I'll jump in the kitchen just to do some stuff. But Bill is interacting with the staff and the food um, a lot more. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. I cook more now than I did oh, as you executive had a team chef that was of the club. Doing it. Because I was doing a lot of things that, that Tom does now um, that just pulls you away from the stove. You yeah. want to be on the stove, but there's so many other moving parts that have to be addressed, and it's more administrative, it's more cost control, et cetera, mm-hmm. that you need to focus on. Okay. Um, so the next question for both of you is, what made you go to Gormando? What was the pull? Tom. Hours. Uh, Tom, <laughs> Tom was, was the pull. <laughs> He's got a big grip, too. <laughs> Working for Tom Black. Whether you wanted to or, or not, Tom. you were going. <laughs> for me, actually... Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was I was in a transition. I had decided to take a couple months off. I took a leap of faith and and left my previous job as executive chef of the Rainier Club after 21 and a half years. And I knew I wanted to do something different. I was looking at a variety of options, uh, working for another restaurant uh, mm. hospitality group. And I had met Alyssa at the club. She was a member. And we had cooked uh, for Tom and, and Alyssa and the company a couple oh, yeah. times at the oh. chef's table in the kitchen. And and uh, her and our president, Jonathan Zimmer, had come in a couple times and working on whatever they were working on. So got to know them a little bit. And I've actually known Jonathan for quite some time, since the early 90s, at, when he was a pastry chef at the uh, Bellevue Club. Mm-hmm. But uh, we just started talking. And it started out... Alyssa was all excited to to say, hey, I want you to open your own restaurant. I really want you to do that. And I wasn't really ready for personal reasons on that. Cooking-wise, no problem. But uh, it just ended up being, hey, why don't you come down, maybe you know, hang out with us for a little bit while you're looking. And that transpired into mm-hmm. coming aboard as Director of Culinary Development. And here we are. And the rest is history. Yeah. And Tom, what made you go? Um, Alyssa. Yeah. Um, I wasn't looking uh, to do something like this. I was kind of bouncing around. At the time when I uh, met with her and was hired, I was the chef at the at Bison, Maine in Bellevue. Yeah. And Bison, Maine, um, I, I liked my experience there, but what it, it taught me was that I was over being the chef that stood in the middle of the hotline and cooked every dish. Yeah. Um, which was what the expectation was. Yeah. And it wasn't that I couldn't do it. I, I still loved that that grinding it out. Mm-hmm. It just it, it wasn't what was driving me anymore. Yeah. Um, I was more interested in what uh, doing stuff that was in my head than what my hands were capable of. Yeah. I knew my hands would always be capable of doing it. And I had a conversation with Alyssa. She was actually looking for an executive chef. And through a common friend, she had um, wanted to meet with me to see if I had any ideas or if uh-huh. I had anybody I might know. Yeah. And after sitting and having a coffee with her in a little cafe in Pioneer Square for about an hour, I left there thinking, I want this job. (laughs) And I thought about it for a couple of days, and then I reached back out to her, and I said, hey, look, I got an idea. I want this job. And she was just, like, blown away, ready, you know, let's do this. And and I think two weeks later, we did just that. Oh, wow. Nice. Wow. That's so great. Well, so just to kind of wrap up, if somebody wants box lunches, they can just go to, is it gourmando.com? Yep, and they can order through there. And not only box lunges, there are a whole range of of 
cold items, hot items. You can order a buffet. You can order various things a la carte to make up your own meal, mm-hmm. platters. Got good spacho right now for summer? We do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both for being here. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for coming in. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by The Paragon Bar and Grill, your Upper Queen Anne destination for lunch, teeny time, evening entertainment, and weekend brunch. For two decades, The Paragon has served as the go-to neighborhood location while welcoming others from all over the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Visit them online today at ParagonSeattle.com. Hi, this is Carrie. I live down in Ording, and if you're ever down that way, stop in and check out Route 66 Pizza. Hi, this is Jeff Leichleiter with Tim's Cascade Snacks, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show with our closing segment. We never like to leave you without giving you a couple of tips and tricks. So uh, I got one. Connie's got one. Connie, what do you got? Well, I was thinking, as I mentioned earlier, I went to a friend's house in Winthrop, and I was going to make dinner one night for everybody. And it was going to be hot. You know, it's been really hot lately. And I'm thinking, I just... Uh, one person was vegetarian, so I was trying to come up with something like that. And I ha- remembered a pasta recipe that I had that I got from a winery in, uh, I believe it was Santa Barbara years ago. And I thought, oh, shoot, that thing is good because it's got Kalamata olives, basil, sun-dried tomatoes, and brie and olive oil in it. And you use the oil that the sun-dried tomatoes is in. So I was thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just do that. So that was my whole thought process. But then when it got down to doing it, I was going to do it in the morning before I actually started driving. Mm-hmm. and you want to do it while you were driving? Yeah, it just gets so messy. <laughs> you hit one of those potholes and you're done, you know, with that <laughs> olive oil. But I suddenly realized as I was doing it what a great idea it was that um, it required no cooking. All I had to do was, was boil the noodles. And honestly, if you got fresh noodles versus dried, it would only take four or five minutes. Um, and the, the whole... Uh, sauce was put together and then was supposed to be at room temperature and meld for four oh, hours. Really? So, wow. and I thought, what a great, it would be great to have a whole book of recipes that require no cooking like that, you know, that aren't sandwiches or something. It's Can I r- be a contributor to the book? You may. Mine is uh, raw hot, hot dogs. Raw hot dogs. Yeah, you just go out and buy a package of hot dogs and eat them. You know, not to cook them. Are you They're making fun cooked. of my mom? Hmm? Are you making fun of my mom? Your mom wanted one crab cake. My mom used to eat hot dogs for breakfast. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a short-lived thing. But anyway, I thought that's a, that's a great thing to look for when you want to kind of wow people because it's very tasty, but it really requires it, it's some prep time, you know, to, cook, to, to chop everything up and sliver everything up. But other than that, there's no cooking. Hmm. And it just sort of the cheese melts when you put it on the hot pasta. Hmm. So that's my tip. Yeah, and this is the time of year when I'm so busy, I don't want to cook. Yeah. I just need that, that little don't-have-to-cook-anything cookbook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, well, mine uh, is uh, a homework assignment for everybody listening. 
um, what you got to do is sit down with your notepad of paper and think about something that you ate years ago and you still remember a lot about it. Uh, I did this with a sandwich one day. Oh, yeah. Jurgensen's yeah, yeah. Roast Beef Sandwich. Oh, good, too. And, uh, and you have to write down everything and you have to create the recipe for it. And uh, it's quite fun to do. And really, um, a lot of times, you know, because you're not so concerned as a, as a uh, single person, you're not too worried about your food cost. You can amp up the quality of that dish mm-hmm. by making it at home, but still have all the flavors and probably more flavor because you made it at home and didn't try to do low food cost. So that's my tip. Yeah. You you take a lot of like old re- restaurant recipes and just organic eyes them. I did. Um, we'll leave. Let's leave the the article on the pasta papa. Oh yeah. Up one more month okay. on Seattle dining, so people can go out and get that and enjoy it. Um, that was down really in good. West Hollywood. There's a restaurant that I like, and uh, it's called Hugo's. And they started. They went from being just a, a butcher shop. To being a restaurant, one of their first dishes was this pasta papa, which is some pasta, and, and it's a, an Italian scramble, basically. But uh, some nice seasoned turkey sausage in there and bacon and all these good things. And so I went there a couple, about two months ago and uh, wrote it all down as I was eating it and came home and tried to recreate it about three times, finally got it on the third one. And probably one of the funnest things about it was pulling the fresh parsley right off my yeah. patio. Yeah. So uh, that one worked out good, and you can try that one at home yourself. Just pull the recipe up on seattledining.com. Yeah, you will not be sorry. All right, sadly, time to wrap up. Thanks for joining us on the August show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. All right, we want you to dine safe, dine well, dine in and out often, and join us back here in September for the September show. See you then. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Dog House, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.